Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We've reached the end of another tumultuous week on planet Earth. Donald Trump has declared victory in the midterm elections in America despite losing control of the House of Representatives. Prince Charles has declared that he wouldn't act like such a plonker if he actually did become king. And Brexit Secretary Dominic Raab says he had no idea Calais would be such an important part of UK trade. It really does make you wonder if anyone out there knows what is going on. Meanwhile, we're looking at asylum this morning. Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham says the system for housing asylum seekers in this country is worse than useless and it's on the brink of collapse. More than 26,000 people applied for asylum last year. Are they all getting houses ahead of everyone else? We'll be exploding a few myths and finding out precisely what is going on. 0344 499 1000. I'm joined this morning by fashionista Lynn Coleman who's just written a book about the perils of social media and why we're all in danger of turning into an algorithm. 0344 499 1000 and because it's Friday it's time for another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards and homage to my broadcasting brilliance this week. I'm sure I'll be winning loads of them. You'll Listen to me, Mike Graham, and Link Coleman on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, this book landed on my desk about, I don't know, a week or so ago, and it's and it, there's lots of things about it that, that are unusual, not least the fact that it's kind of written from both ends, if you like. Yes. So I... when did you come up with that idea? Well, I got halfway through the process, and I really wanted to do a double cover so that there's, a, you know, there's no front and back. So there's no front and back, yeah. Because... This year felt so upside down mm. and nobody seemed to be meeting in the middle. Right. And so that's what I wanted to have. I wanted the book to then meet in the middle. So right. that when you were reading it, the the end was smack back. So when you do read it, do you read one side first yes. or do you read Which both sides at the same time and try and kind of get to the middle from both ends, as it were? It's kind of like a cream egg. Right. The choice is yours, my friend. And being Scottish, it's also deep fried, presumably. <laughs> mm. I do say to people down here, you know, when they go, oh, they deep fried. I say, have you ever tried a deep fried? It's delicious. Uh, a cream egg. It is amazing. Uh, Just everything re- deep remarkable. Fried. It's, no, chocolate deep fried is, is tremendous. I do draw the line at when I was working in uh, in Glasgow for the Scottish Mirror uh, and we found some kebab shop that was actually doing a deep fried 
uh, kebab. That would be good because it would be crispy and then yeah, spicy and yeah, salty. Yeah, if you could mm. actually survive eating it, that would be something else. But so when did you come up with the idea for the fashion annual? Because like I say, it's yeah. a mix of, of great photography, some beautiful models, uh, some of them in states of undress that I would, would really quite like You're to shocked. see. Uh, I was quite shocked. Um, other parts of it are more thoughtful. You know, there's like essays, there's lists. Yes. There's You know, it's a very, it's a kind of compendium of, of the year, isn't it? It's, it's felt a little bit like my diary. So um, I I am in a perpetual state of pregnancy right now <laughs> and the last time which was a, a year ago right um i was sitting on the couch uh with my very small baby breastfeeding right and i was watching um the, the wonderful attenborough okay you know and it was watching blue planet like the rest of the uk britain's favorite person apparently well i would agree with that yeah. And I was sobbing one night, you know, your postnatal and actually maybe not even, but not even that, just I was devastated by the the things that um, were coming up about plastic pollution. So yeah. this is kind of how it all started. Right. So sitting on the couch, you know, and cradling this tiny little baby who is feeding from me. And at the exact same time, there is a mother whale who is clinging on to her dead calf mm. uh, because the, the calf's been killed via toxic um, plastic pollution right. poison, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh, we've you know we've done this," and then you, you know you kind of brush that aside. You go upstairs and you look in the bathroom, and there's about 300 bits of plastic in the bathroom, and then you brush that aside again, and you go online and you get that anxiety rush of 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 you know what else is going on in the world. So you know Facebook is feeding me this information, Instagram's feeding me that, and and. I kept seeing things that made me feel like a, a voyeur, mm. that I wasn't quite... It's all going on around you. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, you're on maternity leave. Yeah. And I've never really taken a step back, honestly. Uh, you know, I had my, my my first child is seven, and I worked all the way through with him. And so with, with Rafe, it, it, it felt a lot like standing on the sidelines and going, what is going on? And when you are a mother as well, you're kind of focused on the child that you have rather yeah, opposed to everybody else, aren't you? And it's every day. You yeah. know, it's every, you're, you're stuck in the very moment mm. that you, you know, there's a nap you need to change right. or you need fed or right. whatever. You need to eat lunch or yeah. you need to go to the toilet. These are all very, very yeah. huge priorities. Sure. But it meant that when I was viewing um, what would be normal work, I, I, I just couldn't get my head around what was mm. happening and how polarised everybody was. Yeah. You know, if you were on the right or if you were on the left, it, it always felt extreme. There was no middle ground anymore. And sure. particularly for this year, I felt like nobody can have a really sensible discussion without throwing a bizarre insult at someone no. like, oh, you're a snowflake or you're a remainer. Or, and then I was kind of thinking... You're a bigot, yeah, usually it's, by bigots. It's, it's just... It was bizarre. So that's where it all started. Okay. And I thought, do you know what? I really miss taking pictures. I really miss my creative teams. Um, so I called all my friends and said, do you want to just kind of make a diary? And right. I'll see if my publisher's up for publishing it. And he was. Uh-huh. Um, and so we set about documenting the year. The year as, via, as you see it. Yeah, but via fashion as the, as the vehicle. Right. Because for me, fashion kind of gives you a, a pinpoint into exactly where we are economically so in the 20s you know you you look at the men in the incredible suits and the girls in the flapper outfits and you know that they are in this jazz exciting time come through world war one and there's just about to be a crash and so everything's excessive and then the same in the 30s you see these 
gorgeous cut on the bias dresses that stop at the shin because again you're in the middle of war and material is mm. very very difficult to get hold of right. then you can go to the 60s and there's mini skirts and that walks hand in hand with you know the sexual revolution yeah. for will, will, women liberation yeah and so for me clothing has always told me exactly where things are culturally economically okay. and so that's what i want well to i'll ask you about where we are now with that but let's bring in sherry scott who's a blogger and entrepreneur in scotland who was part of this project as well sherry very good morning to you welcome Good morning. Thank Lovely you. Chat. Thank you. Yes. Well, indeed, you and I met briefly last year at one of the uh, many fashion shows that uh, that Ms. Coleman puts on and uh, rinsed me of quite a lot of money for a couple of cashmere sweaters. But that's another story. Thanks for um, that. Uh, <laughs> they're very nice, <laughs> though. They're very nice. Now, uh, Sherry, you got involved in this. With the, it's called the algorithm edition because we're talking mm-hmm. about the effects, I suppose, of of all of these algorithms that we're surrounded by. I mean, what what would your conclusion be about where we are with all of that kind of Twitter madness that we're all engaged in? Um, well, with regards to the algorithm, for me, it definitely is um, all around Instagram. That's my main um, social media platform that I use. And with the introduction of the algorithm, it is really taken, it's it shook up the, like, everybody who uses that platform as, as a means of, like, you know, earning. Yeah. Um, and so it's basically kind of sucking out the fun of just creating and spreading messages and, you know, just trying to connect with people and made it more into, like, you're, you're com- combating against a machine and you will never win. Right. Like, you, there, there is no trick. It's like, it's like there's so many, like, you know, clickbait articles of, like, how to beat the algorithm. And it's like, you can't. Mm-hmm. No one wins. Mm-hmm. And, and Sherry, the, uh, Sherry's, Sherry's in the book. Um, she, the, the pictures of her are incredible because she's incredible. I've seen them. Um, but actually what we wanted to really address was that, you know, on the face side of that, your shop window is that everything's fine, everything's smiley and, you know, everything is great. But actually when you dig a little bit beneath the surface... Uh, you, you can be racked with anxiety, or your day could be going terribly. But you've, you know, you've posted about um, a, a a great haircut or whatever, and it was that it was that duality, wasn't it? It was the Jekyll and Hyde of where we're at right now. That, that and that's the story we wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. And Sherry, I mean, is it right to say that everyone on Instagram, because I don't really use Instagram that much, I'm much more of a Twitter person and a little bit of Facebook, but mostly to do with the radio stuff that I do and mostly to do with work. And, you know, people on Twitter seem to be incredibly angry a lot of the time, whereas Instagram, they're all pouting, it seems to me. All the, I mean, even, um, you know, people who are not famous are trying to look like somebody famous. And is that what they're trying to achieve? Then? Are they trying to get somebody to sign them up and go, you're, you're good looking, uh, maybe we can make some money with you? Well, see, I don't even think that it's always about that. It's just about, like, even just creating the perception of this Insta fame. Like, even, like, my, my stepsister, um, like, everybody who's still in school, like, it is, it is shocking when you hear these stories that popularity is yeah. gauged by your Instagram following. And that goes all the way back to high school. And I heard um, a conversation on um, I was on the tube in Glasgow and literally these three girls were just chatting. They must have been, well, I mean, they looked 20, so they must have been 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and they were saying, oh, no, oh, you know Stacey. You know her from selfies. You know her from selfies. And it's like, you know, she looks like that, but she actually looks like this. And this was the way that they were speaking about someone. Mm. And I was like, okay, so you're actually describing, like, this is how her selfies look and this is how she looks. But they didn't, see the problem in that disconnect 
they were they just thought that's just a thing. It's like, oh, well, you look different in your selfies, and that's it. And how is that different, though, from perhaps the way you spoke when you were 15 to your friends? I mean, is it different because they've got something to look at as well? Well, I think that, I mean, I'm glad that Instagram wasn't about when I was 15. Like, I mean, I was I, I was very insecure as it was. Right. <laughs> Never mind adding all this pressure. But really, like, I think that it's because with the algorithm, it's... Um, when when you are there, like if you're there to, you know, take selfies and like, you know, face tune your entire body and, and, and sell like to all, all sell to a lot of different clothing companies, there's there's accounts for that, but that's not exactly what I do and a lot of people I follow do. I, I really recommend like going through who you're following and actually look and realise like, you know, what kind of impact are they having on you? Is it healthy? Like, what are they, what do they stand for? And so I think that that's why it's so important that, like, yeah, of course, it's a shop window and, like, the, the images are really edited and such, but what what's frustrating is that when um, things like the algorithm is actually stealing our own creativity for people who join that platform to showcase, like, you know, their passion for creating imagery um, or... Um, having a portal to just like you know have an instantaneous connection um with a group of people um which obviously stories instagram stories has been great for but how does that all end up though because presumably um at some point or other i mean my kids have have, have obviously got iphones they've got ipads we had a thing yesterday talking Mm -hmm. about uh you know a cot that somebody's made that's actually got a place for an ipad in it i'm wondering i mean i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing but you have to presumably start regulating it a bit don't you Oh, definitely. There needs to be, like, I think that there needs to be disclaimers added about, um, like, to, to, to younger generations. I don't know, like, whether you should be, like, allowed to join it for a certain age or there should be, like, some sort of restrictions or just pushing the fact that these are heavily edited because also the increase of, like, young women um, and men with eating disorders and yeah. getting a lot of plastic surgery at a lot at a very young age and so many many mental health issues. Yeah. It's, it's an epidemic. You're absolutely right. But that's where it, that's where it starts to get tricky, isn't it? And I mean, this is what, where does it stop? This is what um, Sherry and I talk about at length. That you know, when you are looking across all of the social uh, networks, you know, from Facebook, Instagram, right back to Twitter. The, the thing that really strikes me is that we're stuck in an age right now where, much like the kids in the 60s, and Mike, you are a smoker, that we are in a, a parallel situation. I was a where, smoker. Oh, you, have you done? I have stopped, you, yeah. Oh, Gave up 18 well, months ago. Done. Congratulations. But what I am likening social media to is that, that time in the 60s where people were trying to say, you know, this is really bad for your health. Yeah. And we're starting to see that evidence come through, you know, with anxiety and suicide rates and actually stress and anxiety links to cancer. And so there's a, a mm-hmm. screed from the NHS coming through on, on the impact social media But you see, the trouble is, and... the trouble I find with that, Sherry, is that we get warned about stuff all the time now by the NHS. They're constantly telling us that you shouldn't do this. You know, one glass of red wine is OK, but don't have more than that. You know, don't smoke, obviously, yeah. uh, but you can vape. And then next week it's don't vape because that might be bad for you. <laughs> I think people have become immune to these warnings because they just don't believe them or they don't care or everything's so short term it doesn't matter well yeah like i think that that's about it's more about the, the younger generation to be honest that i'm concerned about because when i talk to people of a similar age to me they're very much aware that you know <clears throat> of the advertisements and that how 
people's bodies and faces have been like manipulated to their idea of perfection. Yeah. Um, but it's the younger generation who take it as take it for granted. Or make and, think that it's real. Um, oh, and think that it's real. So and even take like um there's there's a hair vitamin um that literally has got so much money. Like I mean they I get an, an as an, an, an like person on social media um, I hate the word influencer. It really, really makes me cringe. Um, I get in, um, I've been in touch with this brand like every month for the past like three years. I don't know how how much more I need to say no, but they literally have so much budget. And these are a forty pound hair vitamin that is basically pushed across every social media influencer that I that I know, right. and they've got so much money, but they don't work in their 40 pounds, in their main age demographic wow. is um, girls from the ages of 11 to and 17. Sherry, you've just... The and they don't pounds. presumably care as long as you no, buy it. You've just hit the complain. nail on the head. Yeah. It's, you know, I think most of us take this with a pinch of salt. It's like everybody's become an Avon person online, you know? Mm, and and exactly. actually, you know, Sherry, what I, I love about... Um, your your career trajectory is that actually you've really made Instagram work for you, you know, and you've mm-hmm. you've made it into a career for, and so people think that that's really easy, but actually there's a ton of work that goes into the background of that, mm. and there's there's a ton of learning and lessons. But genuinely, I think a lot of people out there think that ah, if you just post this, yeah, it will equate to me getting. But as long as there's people like you, Sherry, then there will be other there'll be hundreds of other people trying to be you, won't there? I mean, that isn't that part of the problem? Oh well, like and. I don't think it's necessarily about trying to be you. I think that it's like there's enough room in this industry for everyone. What what really kind of gets me going is that like I just want people to actually ha- take some social responsibility yeah. to what they're posting. Like there's enough room and space on the internet for absolutely everyone to have their fair share. Um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of like this um, kind of blogger generation where it's like you know each caption is twenty percent off blah blah like mm. with this code and it's like we're just basically raising this new generation of consumerism and like it's and like false senses of reality and it and it's a scary thing so like I just like to make sure that I'm not doing that in all my captions I'm actually talking about something I care about or something that's been on my mind. Um, and to start developing conversation, and so if, if if I encourage more people to do that, then amazing. Yeah, <laughs> cool, Sherry. Thank you very much indeed, Sherry Scott, there, a Scottish blogger and entrepreneur. And I guess the problem is though, I mean, see, someone like me comes from the old media, you know, mm-hmm. newspapers yeah. that used to be read by everybody. I mean, there was a time when I first used to work in America. You know, I could ring a, a, the newspaper office in London and tell them something had just happened in Florida that they didn't know about. You know, they didn't know it happened in Florida because they had no way of finding out unless yeah. somebody had actually written a piece for one of the wire services that they could read or they, uh, you know, there was no 24-hour news. I mean, CNN started when I was in America before the first Gulf War. It wasn't really there. So you've seen so much change. Yeah, and I find it really baffling that people will use something like Instagram as their kind of source Newsfeed. of information. Yes. Effectively, but they do, and, yeah. and that, and again, that is where this the book came from, and, and the word algorithm, and, and teasing that out, and how it, it, it infiltrates every single thing that we do. Yeah. You know, your online and your offline world is starting to become one, and you mm. get sucked into this sink. And exactly what Sherry was saying that I think a lot of people are naive to the fact, or maybe they're not, that the feed is a selling tool and we were talking about this in the last hour yeah that you know data capture mm. every single one of us is a is a walking pound sign yes. to to advertising right. and we and they're spending an awful lot of money 
on all of that stuff as well. So yes. they must know something we don't know. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's go back to the phones as well. 0344-499-1000. John is in Glasgow. He's got a story for us. Hi, John. Hi. Hi, mate. Uh, nice to talk to you. Yeah, nice, to, nice um, to hear from you. What do you want to tell us? Well... I've only ever phoned the radio twice, and this is my second time. Good. Uh, the first, funny enough, uh, the first time was about housing also. Okay. It just infuriates me. Uh, the last time was I spoke to Mike Dickin. That's how my long goodness me, that was a long time ago, radio. yeah. And he, and he hung up on me because I was slating Margaret Thatcher for selling <laughs> off all the council. Well, I mean, you are from Glasgow, <laughs> so I'll accept that from you. Well, she sold off all the council homes and never built any. That's right. Well, well, yeah. there was four and five, six children all in the one bedroom. There yeah. was no chance of getting a house. Right. Well, anyway, to, uh, another story. 2012, uh, we had four kids, and due to a marriage breakup, uh, I ended up homeless. Well, basically, I was living with my parents right. for a few weeks. So after a couple of weeks, I uh, got an appointment in a local housing office. Went up to the housing office thinking, right, there's a few houses that I saw that were empty. Uh, adequate bedrooms, all everything that I needed, didn't see a problem. Uh-huh. Uh, worked, I've worked all my days, didn't want benefits, just wanted to pay the rent, pay the council, pay my council tax, as I normally do. Got the appointment, pointed out the houses, and she says, well, you're not effectively homeless because you're living with your parents. Right. She says, it, well, basically, if you had your kids with you and you checked in a homeless shelter, yeah. uh, that would uh, move it along. Now, no one in their right mind is going to take their kids that I had a really, yeah, I had a really really similar process uh, um, going right, through no, but my this breakup. Is, this is, uh, uh, sorry, to interrupt. No, you, no, right? no, no, it's, this, on you go. This is a killer, right? Now, as much as she said she didn't like it, she says if you made yourself homeless and arranged it in such a way where you could get offered a house 
if someone from Eastern at that time, it wasn't it wasn't a primarily main subject immigration is what it is now, mm. and it was only six years ago. It seems like a million years ago, but it was only six years ago. Um, she says, if someone turns up at a police station with a bag from any other country in Europe or a migrant, they'll get the house before you. Because technically they're homeless, right? Yeah. Yep. So what, what do you do for your own people? It's it, That's really hard. That's I, what I don't... I have, a, I have a really similar story. It was, the, it was the same. I, you know, I was, I was going through my breakup. I had uh, a then three-year-old, and you think, right, okay, what do you do to get out of the situation? Yeah. None of us had uh, a lot of money in the bank to, you know, to go and rent another place. Right. But much like you, you have to get out of the situation that you're in. And the advice that I was given was, you know, you need, you need to take the child, and you need to, to go to a homeless shelter. Yeah. And, I, and I'm the same as you. I was like, well. You, you can't when you have a three-year-old, but then again, that that she, the people giving me the advice were like, well, then you're not homeless. Yeah. So that's the difficult thing. So mm. I absolutely hear what you're saying, but then also I can understand the advice given yeah. too. It just, it's of like course, a lot the system the, is broken. It's like but... a lot of the systems in this country which don't work properly, yeah. John. What, what did you do in the end, John? Well, we ended up we were apart for about six months, and we ended up reconciling. So okay, it was all good. It was all good in the end, but. It just kind of raised my eyebrows a bit to see what it's like for people that um, needed to fall that back on welfare. Yeah. I was quite, I was quite surprised. Honestly, I was, I was quite surprised at that time because I could see the homes. I, I actually wrote all the addresses down, and some of the homes were still empty. Yeah, they were still empty months later. They were adequate, so I don't know what the problem is. And these were homes that were, and were these homes that were owned by the council. Yes, they're right. council homes. Right, okay. Yeah, I was actually brought up in them. Right. Same homes that are still there. And and I just don't... It's as if they're holding on to them. Yeah, it's weird, I isn't it? I don't know what the problem is. doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. John, listen, very interesting call. Thanks very much for making it. Don't leave it so long till you make your third call. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, Iceland's Christmas TV has been banned for being too political. We were talking about this just before the news. Apparently, because they've decided to announce that they're now banning all products that they make with palm oil... Uh, they're not going to use that anymore. Somehow, the Advertising Standards Authority has ruled that that's political, which seems a bit odd, doesn't it? it, it well, actually, considering that the message is a good thing for the environment yeah. and a good thing to kind of relay back into your customer base, right. I, for me, I, I'm not a, a, a consumer watchdog, so I wouldn't know. No. But Would it make you shop in Iceland, perhaps? I love Iceland. Do you? Uh-huh. Am I allowed to say that? Uh, yeah, you can. Well, no Other idea, supermarkets are, of course, available. Yeah. And they also great. do Christmas ads, which won't be bad for being too political. No, exactly. Uh, sadly. But I suppose that they, you then have to ask, why? Is it because Greenpeace is seen as a politically motivated... Well, I suppose they are, aren't they? Yes, but it's for good. Yes, but, so, I mean, there might be other people that don't think it's for good. Let's talk to Simon Gwynn as a reporter at Campaign Magazine, which is the Bible of the advertising business. Simon, a very good afternoon to you. Hi, Mike. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Um, this is a bit unusual, isn't it, this particular ruling? Yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting one, and uh, it's, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, so it's not actually the Advertising Standards Authority that's made this decision. Okay. There's, there's two organisations that control what can go on TV. Uh, the other one's called Clearcast, which is actually controlled by the broadcasters like ITV, Channel 4, and so on. Okay. Um, and they have made a kind of preemptive decision that um, if this did go on, that it, that it might get banned. 
Um, so they've said um, this, you know, this isn't going to fit within the rules, so we're not going to uh, show it. Um, and the reason for that is because of its association with uh, Greenpeace. So um, this was this film was originally made for Greenpeace, and Iceland had basically um, put their own uh, message and their own uh, brand at the end of it. Right. Um, uh, but had it originally been produced for Iceland and it had not had that association with Greenpeace, the, uh, it may have actually been permitted to, to go on. So it is because of Greenpeace um, and um, their, their um, decision that Greenpeace um, maybe do one or two things that might cause problems for the uh, the, the um, ad regulation. Is this more about their kind of sort of more guerrilla-like tactics, I suppose? Um, it, I think it may be. Um, I, I haven't been able to get to the, the bottom of exactly um, uh, the, the specific uh, reasons that Green, Greenpeace is kind of a you know prohibited political uh, organisation. Right. Um, but but it's it's a pretty complicated uh, situation, I'd imagine. It is, yeah, because I see that Clearcast is saying that the ad's prohibited if it is in quotes directed towards a political end, which I don't think mm. the banning of palm, palm oil is particularly political, is it? No, well, I think um, there's, I mean, there's kind of two ways of looking at the, the issue around palm oil. One is um, uh, just about consumer behaviour, and um, and you could say that uh, what Iceland is doing is, is not necessarily political. They're just trying to offer people who want it the ability to buy products that, that don't have uh, that in, and, and the um, the uh, environmental damage that's uh, sometimes associated with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, when you're looking at what Greenpeace does, you know, Greenpeace is is kind of an actively political organisation, and um, uh, they uh, they do some things that, that are, are much more kind of fiery and controversial. Right. So you're saying that had Greenpeace not been involved, so maybe the discussions had been in back office, yeah. it would have been fine. It would have just been on air. Yeah, it sounds, like they, have, it sounds like they possibly. kind of blundered. Okay. P- possibly. Um, I mean, we th- there are other ads that go on TV that, um, you know, kind of associate themselves with uh, social environmental campaigns like this, um, sometimes quite hard-hitting, um, and that are um, allowed. Um, uh, and so I... I uh, I suspect that it's not um, the content of this ad necessarily. It's it's the fact that yeah. it's uh, linked to Greenpeace, um, and there's there's some other kind of uh, dodgy stuff that you know Clearcast have said, and we're not happy with that. Yeah, because I mean, you see, I suppose you wouldn't necessarily. I mean, it depends on how far you want to take this particular argument, I suppose. But you see these very emotive ads for Oxfam and for various different charities, Save the Children, you know, water companies uh, feeding uh, families in Africa and all that kind of thing, which you might also argue have has a political kind of point to it, but it's not really, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be upset by, by, by watching it. Yeah, I mean, you you know, everything's political to some extent, isn't it? You know, if you're telling people to go to your supermarket and, and buy turkey, then, um, you know, you're in, encouraging uh, the consumption of meat, which um, obviously vegetarians <laughs> and vegans don't, yeah. don't agree with. They might see that as a political uh, decision. Um, um, but I think it is about the way that Greenpeace operates in this case that, that, that uh, has uh, led to this decision. There seems to be um, a little um, thing pricking my my brain right now yeah. which is we're we're in the middle of a kind of madman scenario aren't yeah. we like don draper's going if you don't like what they're saying change the conversation yes. and so now we're talk, talking about a an ad that um maybe we wouldn't have even watched or thought twice about mm. but because they've given us this piece of information now we're chatting about it yeah, as in you mean that um, Iceland have generated interest because of Absolutely. this decision. Yeah, well, I think um, 
uh, they, I suspect that they may have had an inkling that, that they wouldn't be allowed to put this on TV. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not, but um, it certainly worked out very well in mm. terms of whipping up uh, in, interest in it on social media. And it's probably, um, yeah, it's probably engaged with people to a much greater extent than it might have done if it had just been shown during Coronation Street. Well, I was going to say, I don't know, I haven't actually checked to see if it's if it's available on YouTube or, or on any other social media front, because presumably there's no regulation on that and they could show it there if they wanted. Yeah, they, they certainly can. It's um, uh, In terms of just posting a video on YouTube, that's not regulated by... Um, certainly ClearCast has nothing to do with that, but also the uh, Advertising Standards Authority don't control that. They control um, uh, areas where you, you're paying to, to have your content promoted, So you know that, which makes it advertising. This actually makes me now think... There, there was a, a thing in the news yesterday about ITV's ad budget mm. going down... There was, about by, 8%, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, and because of the way that we consume now... And, Mike, you've just hit the nail on the head that actually that ad can get placed in several different places where we can see it. Sure. But where we are traditionally seeing ads go doesn't necessarily matter now does it well that's the thing i mean i suppose simon you just want to put the ad where there's going to be lots of people seeing an audience it. and if there's a big yeah. enough audience on youtube i mean that must be terrifying some of the t- the traditional tv companies um i mean certainly they you know that's it's it, it is a cause for concern but uh, that said tv is still um i think for most advertisers probably the most important um medium uh, it still attracts the biggest audiences it's still the only place where you can get you know five million eight million ten million people watching something at the same time yes. Yes. um and um uh, you know uh, I, although yes itv are expecting to to have their um, advertising income going down uh, a little bit um, they're still bringing in uh, huge quantities of money and i think you you know, had Iceland been able to get this on TV, they, they would have done so. No, indeed. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we were talking earlier just about the whole advent of social media and the whole algorithm business that goes on and how Facebook now is able to react so quickly to just something you've clicked on to throw up an ad for you that you didn't even know you wanted to look at but had something to do with what you were interested in. I mean, is that, having an, is that not having an effect on the spend, at least the advertising spend from agencies, at least? Um, yeah, so um, it's... Uh, I think a lot of advertisers are moving more money into um, uh, digital advertising. Um, and what you're talking about, that's that's called um, programmatic. And that's where data that, that um, uh, you know, different platforms have picked up about the user means that they're able to automatically direct uh, certain ads to them. Um, the jury is still out a little bit on whether that's as effective as um, as uh, traditional forms. Um, and part of the reason for that is because people find those ads annoying. Um, they're not necessarily very engaging mm. um yeah um so uh the uh, i don't think the advertising industry has really come to a conclusion yet about what the uh, you know what what the best way to spend their their budgets is right and are we see are, will we see as much money being spent on christmas ads as, as we always do i mean i i was a bit confused earlier this year because i thought john lewis put out a kind of a taster of a christmas ad did they not with elton john in it um they, or was, or was uh, that something I was that something I got completely wrong? Did you just dream so that? They're, they're rumoured <laughs> to be working with Elton John in their Christmas campaign, which yeah. is yet to, to launch. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure be, I saw a little clip of it. Though. Wasn't there a sort of rogue clip doing the rounds a couple of months ago? Um, if there was, I didn't see it. Come on, um, you work at campaign, it? Simon, for oh. heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm obviously not doing my job there. But um, <laughs> the, uh, Elton John was in a, another ad campaign earlier this year. That was for Snickers. All oh, right. Yes, I've seen um, that. It wasn't that. It was something John, different to that. 
John Lewis also, um, so they, John Lewis uh, rebranded themselves uh, yes. earlier this year to John Lewis and Partners right. um, alongside... That was Bay shortly Trade, before which, they announced that 99% um, of their profits had disappeared, terrifying. right? Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> around, around the same time, I think, yeah. yeah. They, they did have, um, they did have uh, a big budget um, uh, TV ad that came out then, which was the, uh, the school play of um, kids performing... Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, um, I don't know if. if yes, I remember really, seeing that know, and like, thinking this is like yeah. a, TV, a Christmas TV ad. So why are they yeah. doing it now? How much TV are you um, both watching? I this is going way over my head. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, haven't seen well, that. Well, if I'm perfectly honest, I don't watch a great deal of uh, traditional TV myself. Um, I watch a lot of uh, catch up, mm-hmm. um, uh, along with um, things like Netflix. Right. Um, uh, so I don't always, um, um, I don't always see these ads on TV actually. Yeah, I think you should consider getting yourself a different job, Simon, to be honest, because <laughs> you are working for the Bible of the advertising industry. And I mean, I hope your boss isn't listening to this conversation. <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't comment on that. No, of course not. <laughs> of course. So, who's, I mean, you, have you had any kind of, uh, sort of tips? Do you get tips at the campaign as to who's, you know, whose ad is coming out when? Well, they, presumably they'll start coming out pretty soon, won't they? Uh, yeah, so we've we have heard um, uh, something about um, uh, about John Lewis's Christmas ads, uh, right. and, and I, I, I certainly can't can't say anything about that. Of course that. not. Um, uh, but, but they they do have a, uh, a Christmas ad uh, coming out. Um, uh, they've just put out their um, Waitrose uh, Christmas campaign today, okay. um, and so the, the one that I was just talking about, the uh, the school play of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, that was a joint campaign for John Lewis and Waitrose. Okay. Um, uh, they've just put out a, a Christmas campaign for Waitrose. We've also had uh, Tesco earlier this week, right. um, Debenhams, Boots. There's been loads and loads um, coming out. But one thing that we have noticed is that, that um, at Mark and Spencer as well, um, that most of these uh, retail brands, um, it seems to be a little bit um, uh, a, a little bit more low key than mm. some of the big kind of grandiose uh, things we've seen in the past, and and that probably reflects how difficult they're all finding uh, business at the moment. Yes, no, yeah, the indeed. High street is an the high street is not mess. in a good place at all. And who was that? Do you remember that one? Was it last year? There was this sort of the naughty nomad or something by um, one of the big brands. I can't remember who it was, but they got into all sorts of trouble because it was a sort of a rude gnome, if you like, in all uh, sorts of yes. positions. That was that was Poundland, I believe. That was Poundland. That's right. Yeah. It was uh, very funny. Elf. Yeah, the cheeky yeah. elf. Yeah, who yeah. was in all sorts Certainly of a, an opinion of that one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, but uh, I wonder whether anyone's going to do that this year. But uh, Simon, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Simon Gwynn, there, reporter at Campaign uh, Magazine. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. That's right. Each Friday we cast our ears back over the past seven days so of the so-called independent so Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Yes. So, for the first time, I, Lynn McCrossan, will be dishing out these awards on behalf of Katie Perrier. So let's see who has won this week. <laughs> As is tradition, the first Perrier goes to Mr Mike Graham. Excellent. He wins for DJ of the Week for his comments um, as we played American Idiot by Green Day. I thought they might be playing um, American Idiot. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, really. You know, there are so many things you say on the radio because I'm here all the time. It's all I do is talking to a microphone. I knew it was American Idiot. I've got the album. I've got the live version of it. I play it all the time. You're down with the kids. Well, they're not even kids anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, Green really Day not. are like nearly as old as I am. Yeah. And one of the singers has gone mad. 
Has he? Yeah, I can't talk about that, obviously. No, okay. I'll get in trouble. But we get the next one. Let's do it. Okay, so Alex Retham from the Charlotte Group of Restaurants was a guest on the show this week, and he won for Most Interesting Noise. Very, very basic menu with X number of pizzas and just a couple of salads, but not pizza, you know, pasta and salad and mm. all this kind of other extra stuff. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Oh, 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 oh. He was great, that Can guy. Can we play that again? Is that possible? What is that yeah, noise? Yeah, do it again. Very basic menu with X number of pizzas and just a couple of salads, but not pizza, you know, pasta and salad and mm. all this kind of other extra stuff. <laughs> I didn't notice that at the time. I think he was kind of trying to go yada, 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 but sort of lost control of his tongue. That was the most <laughs> wonderful noise. It was great, wasn't it? He's got a great thing going, in fact, talking about High Street. He had amazing sounding sort of three restaurants out in sort of West London, Ealing, uh-huh. Chiswick, that kind of thing. So I vowed to go there at some point. And hopefully he'll make that noise. Indeed. Okay, next What's one next? then. Uh, Caller Carlos swoops the gong for response of the week. So they put all sorts of rubbish on there because the news cycle is so quick now. Right, and they have to keep changing the news cycle, and so it's a it's an absolute boon for people who want to get a message across. And Al Sharpton's one of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> he was literally stunned into silence by my oh, yeah. incredible knowledge. I haven't heard this, no, obviously, no. And so that was a very genuine. I am sorry <laughs> if I've burst anybody's eardrums over laughing as loudly as That's I have. That's very good, that one. So he just it just uh... it just it literally didn't have anything to say. There was nothing to add. Oh, wow. Mm. There You're should be a button you can press, shouldn't there? <laughs> what, you what? Know, like... Like, it's like one of the X Factor, where it just either goes, or something, so indicating you're not going to say anything. Yes, I decline to talk. Yes. Okay, Next. so, Noel's you again, Mike. Good. So we all know that you are very well-travelled and very intelligent, also Indeed. handsome. Thank you. You know? You can come um, back any time. Exactly. Oh, so there's no surprise that you've won the award for a bilinguist of the week. Bilinguist of the week. Yeah, thank you. You know, nobody ever said, Sean, that, you know, here's the here's the, the, the guillotine that comes down. And you pardon my French pronunciation of guillotine, I'm sure. Here's the guillotine that comes down, and that's the end of that. Yeah, well, you know, Listen, we are nothing I if not Europeans. Lee, Lee, Lee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you said, what was guillotine. it? Guillotine. Which is the correct pronunciation if you pronounce the two L's in French as a Y. Wrong. Eh? If you pronounce it wrong. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were saying I was wrong. No. Blimey. <laughs> I haven't had that much this week. Dawn's been away. She normally slaps me around. You did look a little shocked there. I was shocked. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. No, well, we'll... I've, just, I've got out of the habit. Of, of being, of being told off, yes, exactly. Uh, well, maybe she should get back here. She'll then. be back next week. That's good. Okay, the next one up mm. then. Um, where are we? I'm having too much fun. Tory MP um, David Jones, or David David, sorry, joined Mike this week and he won... Um, for clarification yeah. of the week. The British Dental Association have said that, they, that the tests are, are only accurate to within four years. So basically they are accurate to within four years. <laughs> <laughs> These are the kind of people running the country. This is why they're doing it. That was beautiful. Very good. That was really beautiful. It's good to have those things explained by a professional. Well, to every four years. <laughs> so Mike... You also win the award for best wake-up call this week and mm. reality check, which was given to you by Katy Perry. Okay. But I thought that had stopped ages ago. Nope. I'm, I'm in a dream world when it comes to things like that. Yeah, I'm afraid you are. Oh, my gosh. So Matt... <laughs> <laughs> she didn't realise. 
Now she does. Dream world. Mm. Okay, right. So next up, I'm enjoying this. It's actually. good, isn't it? It's good fun. I just get to laugh at other people's mistakes Indeed. when you when I'm and you're making... to, you're you're in too late to be included. You might be in next week. Bilinguist, though. yes. Yeah. Um, and whilst we were talking about Katie, uh, it would be only fair to give an award, have her a reward. Um, she takes the crown from Don for a most professional moment. I do worry about the fact that he honestly does seem to believe an apple a day will keep the doctor away. And it absolutely will not. You know, people get sick because they don't expect to get sick. They don't get sick on purpose. Yeah, of course, some people get sick. <laughs> uh, she was so apologetic as well. She's like, I'm so sorry. His phones were oh, always going off in and here. You were, really, you were really getting into that. I was. You were in your yeah. full stride. Well, this was, this was the ridiculous story from the health secretary this week who basically said that all employers should provide apples and fruit to their employees to make sure that they're healthy enough to come to work. Like, that's going to change everything. Well, that's a nice thing to do. But well, it it's a nice not. thing to do. But, you know, when I worked at the Daily Express, they decided to bring a load of fruit in and all they got was fruit flies. Oh. And they couldn't get rid of them. That's because you guys like to drink. Well, it was nothing to do with me. But I can tell you, there were other people there that liked to drink. That's true. Yes. Mm. So the, the fruit flies were a massive problem inside the paper. They were. They've, I think they, they've now knocked the building down so they couldn't get rid of them. <laughs> it's the it's across the street. It's difficult to get rid of them. Right, you let's can't. get the next one yes. up. Another one for you, Mike. Mm. You win Correction of the Week. Uh, for this time, you spoke to lovely Susan in Exeter. Lovely, thank you for jollying us all up on this grey Monday morning. Well, it's, meant to, it's meant to be grey on bonfire night, isn't it? Oh, it's just miserable. Well, you're all fired up on four cylinders, both of you, which is brilliant. You're six, keeping I think us you're Oh Lord. <laughs> oh Lord. Well, six cylinders you better than four cylinders. Flirt. Hold on. Hang here. on, she burped at me today. I mean I think, she, I think she's crossed the line. That's, to be honest. That's I've got off her in a massive way. That's the sign of an uh, affectionate to lady. Really? Yeah, she feels comfortable You've with You've been you. in Scotland too long. Listen, if I am burping in front of you, that means that we're on like the third okay, date. I'll take I'll take that as red. Okay. Go on then. Next. Well, this is the final one. Oh. An old favourite. Um this is impression of the week. Are you ready for this? I am. So this is when um, are doing a take on a cash register. Do you remember this? No. Because they're getting paid more money and because it's almost like a pay-per-play type situation. When exactly you, right. You know, here's somebody else walking through the door who's going to make me another five grand. Ka-ching! <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? Pathetic. You guys could is... have your own sound effects. You, didn't, you don't have to Yeah, well, they them. may come to that soon, you know, when the, <laughs> the new budgets are rolled out. This we'll be making all of them. That was good, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So basically, you just take the Mickey out of yourself on a Friday for yeah. all the the problematic of course. Words but I always win a, an award, which I, I don't care what I win an award for as long as I'm winning something. What is what is it? A peri- well, it's sort of a play on what used to be the Perry. You have to get something. The Perrier Awards. No, I'm it's meaning. a virtual award. Oh. You know, because as we were saying, everything's virtual now. You don't actually get to experience not, anything. Not even a wee sweetie. No, not even. Well, come on. Not even a wee sweetie. That's no. mean. No, I know it is. Anyway, more of that are coming next week. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. 
flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.